Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. So recap uh, from last week, and the, the question is, what is our only hope in life and in death? Anybody? What's our only hope in life and in death? But belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Awesome. Let's do that one more time. What is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Anybody having any luck with actually memorizing these things? I'm brain dead. I got brain cells popping all the time. So, you know, stuff goes in, it doesn't always stick. So pray for me. And then our memory verse, read uh, Romans 14, 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Once more, Romans 14, 7 and 8. None of us lives to ourselves or himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And that's an awesome thing to know. We belong to God. You know, um... We are not our own. Uh, we all, unless we place our hope in Jesus Christ to free us from the bondage, to, from our bondage to sin, we're hopeless. Uh, you know, we are utterly without hope. But by the grace and love of God, um, we've been purchased at a great price. It's through the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, but we've been purchased. Uh, to into a lively hope, one place the Bible says. You know, we're purchased by the blood of Jesus out of our slavery of sin, but it's not to be enslaved again. You know, we're bought with a price, but we're freed from it. You know, we're, we're not bought to be enslaved, but to be freed from our enslavement and adopted as children into the household of God. Kind of makes me shudder when I think about it. That's just awesome that the creator of the universe says, hey, I got a sonship for you. I want you as a daughter. We have a place for you. We have things for you to do. <coughs> so we're, we're joint heirs with Jesus of the kingdom of God. And as such, you know, we've got a responsibility to live um, and express that to, in a manner that brings honor to God and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and in death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to get that into our heads, but most particularly we need to get it into our hearts. We need to, we need to have that and allow that to change and transform our lives. Uh, for God. So move on into uh, question two. <coughs> you know, 
think most all of us know what an autobiography is. You know, everybody know what an autobiography is? It's something written by some person, usually a famous one, about themselves. And typically the person of a purpose of an autobiography is to provide a way for others to know more about the author. You know, whether <laughs> some of them are embellished beyond belief in these things, you know, just to make people look really good. Um, and in the, in the eyes of others, you know, but those uh, autobiographies, they typically might contain descriptions of what they've done, why they did it, what they expected to accomplish as they did it. And with some of these autobiographies, it might also contain descriptions of what they're doing now and what they have planned for the future. Now, if you look at it, the Bible is very much an autobiography. It's, in essence, the Bible is God's autobiography. It's for us to read and to learn from. It's inspired, written, and preserved for many, many generations past and forever how many more generations there may be to come. <coughs> so this lesson this week is focused on getting to know God uh, through his own story, you know, the word of God, because he takes us right back to the beginning of history. Before time existed, God says, I'm going to do this. And he's done it. And from the beginning, has been showing us where we need to be as children of God and how we should live as children of God. So this week's question is, what is God? And the answer is, God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, unchangeable in his power and perfection goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. Kind of a lengthy one there, but let's all read this together. So what is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. God is the creator and sustainer of everything. Nothing that's around us would exist without God having a hand in it. You know, you look at uh, uh, some of the simplest things. I, I just love the fact that God, you know, he downplays science. So it refers to it as science falsely so-called because the little things and the simple things of the world just confound the wise. Oh, and you, you see that and you hear that a lot. And unfortunately with technology, more and more people are showing how stupid they are. You know, <laughs> um, I think, well, there can't be a God because of the way this works. Well, there has to be a God because of the way that works. You know, and it's... We need, to, we need to want to know God. We need to want to know his story. We can learn a lot through this. Let's go ahead and ask the question again. What is God? 
God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. And then our memory verse this week is Psalm 86, verses 8 through 10, and verse 15. And again, this is not a KJV um, translation that this comes from. But we're going to stick to it because that way everybody's on the same page with the memory verses. And you can translate it uh, right back into KJV easily. This gets to the point. But it says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now we look at the the question and the answer in our memory verse. Those are all really showing us attributes, some of God's attributes. Um, Those are things that we we can come to know through his word. So let's do our memory verse one more time. Psalm 86, 8 through 10, and verse 15. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God is merciful and gracious and slow to anger. If he wasn't slow to anger, probably none of us would exist for very long. You know, just because, well, let's face it, you know, we're people. You know, and uh, people have learned how to push God's buttons, too. (laughs) And it's like, but God is merciful. I see he looks at me sometimes and goes, ah, come on, son. But you got to love God. He's, he is merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God says he's going to do something. He's going to do it. God says he loves us, and he gives us all the examples of his love for mankind. So we serve a great and awesome God. And the Bible is a collection of history books, stories, letters, and instructions for living that we, we do call a Bible, and it is his autobiography. And from, from the Bible, we can know God. We can know him and that he does indeed exist. You know, I've heard people say, hey, we really can't know God. Well, God says he can. There is a movement these days, and many of, a lot of us that are older folks, something on the outside of the uh, six decades. You know, we've, we've seen a strong movement over the decades, uh, particularly in the Western cultures, to remove God from life, just wipe him out from anything we're doing. You know, 
but there's an increasingly uh, popular agnostic and downright atheistic worldview that's gaining foothold, that's gaining steam, that's having great success in doing, s and it's having that success by erasing God from history, from erasing God from uh, daily life, from erasing God from daily or uh, from public view. You know, and that's that's going on. Well, you can't put the Ten Commandments out in front of your courthouse. That's wrong. Well, we can't pray in schools. That's wrong. You know, well, it's society that says it's wrong. It's that that movement to wipe away God, you know, is taking place in this stuff. But what's worse than seeing him erased is uh, and seeing this thing, this movement grow in our society is our children and our grandchildren and in some cases great-grandchildren. They're being immersed in this junk and they're being um, indoctrinated into it. Some of it's starting in preschool, kindergarten, right on up. You know, they're being indoctrinated into this thing that God's not real, or if he is real, he doesn't care about us, you know. Um, man's better than God, so on and so forth. You know, there are, like I mentioned, there are people that say we cannot truly know God, what he's like, what he wants from us, or what he wants for us. But God wants to be known. That's why we have the Bible. God wants to be known by us. And that's why it's important for us to study the Bible, to know what it, know what the Word says. You know, and that's why he's re he has revealed himself to us, to mankind, in and through his Word. God has spoken and inspired men, and his words have been written down so that people throughout history might hear him and learn of him. The languages may be different, but what God wants for us, what's, what God wants us to learn from the Bible in our language is that he's real, he's loving, he wants us to know his attributes, he wants us to know that he cares about us, and he wants, he wants his best for us. So this lesson, it seeks to introduce and in some cases reacquaint us with the God of the Bible and instill in us the confidence that there is a God and that we can come to know him personally. You know, we need to have the confidence that there is a God. We need to have the confidence that there is a loving God who cares for us. You know, because if somebody, there's no God, you can't prove he exists. I know God exists. You know, I could come closer to scientifically proving the existence of God, then you could come closer to proving that he doesn't exist. You know, because everything points to God. And uh, I kind of I got a little bit off track, but we, we can know him personally. And that's what he wants us to do. We're supposed to have, each and every one of us, an individual person close and walk with God in our daily living. But we need to we need to have that confidence. You know, there's some things we might 
if we've been around, you know, been saved for a while, there's some things that, yeah, maybe we've kind of tweaked the message a little bit, or maybe our memory of things have faded a little bit, whatever that might be. And that's part of the purpose of doing this catechism class, you know, so that we're getting back to basics. We can see what God wants for us. He can see what God has for us. So I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 86. Um, and it's a little lengthy, but it really shows us a lot here. Psalm 86. It says, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me, and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant, and save the son of thy handmaid. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. You know, we see a lot of God's care and concern and character uh, in that psalm. The psalm was written by King David. Uh, we can see in that that David has a strong personal relationship with God. David refers to God in a way that reveals that God is kind, forgiving, and abounding in great love. And this should help all of us to understand that each and every one of us has the opportunity to have a personal relationship with God like that. You know, we're not running from guys with swords and all that trying to kill us. We're not running from a king that wants our head or anything like that. But we do have a loving God. That is our strength. He's our, you know, he's our buckler and all those. But we can have uh, a personal relationship with him. So as far as that psalm is concerned, um, what can we learn from that? Anybody? What can we learn from that? How about this? The verses reveal the power and greatness of God. There is no one in heaven or earth who is like God, although there are many people who would like to believe that they are. You know, there's people out there, yeah. I'm my own God. You know, I am God. Um, and 
the day will come uh, when all nations and people will bow down before him. So that's what we can see in this psalm, that God cares. You know, he's a merciful God. He's a loving God. Um, and we're having hard times. Preserve my soul. You know, preserve my soul. Keep me, keep me going. You know, and we can see that David's got that confidence that regardless of what he's, what he's done, he knows God is there for him. You know, God will forgive him. It says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. God answers prayers for each and every one of us. He answers our prayers. Anybody want to add to that? Okay. So it was having that relationship with the Lord, he was able to know God is working within him, um, was the one giving him the joy and the love versus the people who just go to the priest and do their confessions, do their sacrifices, like with King Saul, thought, well, this is your God, and I'm just appeasing him. Where David had that relationship, and listening to his, his psalms makes yeah. it so much more personal, where a lot of people at that time did not have a personal relationship. Right. So he was a man of God's heart. Yeah, and we see that when uh, when he was a youngster, and you got this guy that's taller than his ceiling, is talking bad about God and God's people. <laughs> you can't talk to my God like that. I'm taking you out by the arm of God. He had that kind of confidence, and that's the same kind of confidence that we have, or we should have, you know. So that we come up, come up against the Goliaths in our life, we can take a rock and knock him out. You know, we can just lay him out. In that instance, who's our rock? Jesus Christ. You know, so we have that to us. We need to understand also that God is sovereign. In this psalm, he's sovereign. He rules over all things. It's, but the beautiful thing that we can understand from this psalm is that this awesome, all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign God is approachable by each of us individually. We don't need to go to a priest to confess. You know, we're, we're a priesthood through the blood of Christ. We, can, we have direct access to the throne of God. Um, and Jesus Christ is our intercessor with God, but we have that access. So God is approachable. You know, we... The better we could get a hold of something like that, the better off we would, we would be. I mean, we could see changes in our lives um, when we actually grasp just how great our God is and what God wants from us. Yes. Um, just a little weird tangent, I guess. Um, where in Psalms 86, 15 it says, But thou, O Lord, art God, full of compassion and graciousness and longsuffering and... Um, plenteous in mercy and truth. It reminds me of the fruits of the Spirit because that is truly where you get it from, is from God, which is love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those just echo those attributes of God of which we yep. are to have and exhibit. 
um, which you will exhibit if you have Christ in your heart, as well as in 1 John 4, 16, God is love, and he's also the word of God, which is also in John 1, 1 through 3. He's the creator, which is also seen in Genesis, and he's a sustainer, which is also seen in Matthew, and um, he's a cornerstone, the author of peace, which is in 1 Corinthians 14. Mm -hmm. But just because I listed all those is just to say that God is consistent all the way throughout the Bible. It's not just in one area. It's not just in the Old Testament. It's not just in the New Testament. God is the same throughout the Old and the New and today. Exactly. So the God of the Bible is still the one that you serve today. Yes. And in that which is yet to come, God is the same. You know, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. And we should be glad of that. You know, let's just say perhaps oh, two millennia ago, God says, you know, I really don't want to, I really don't want to send my son down to have to go through this. Then where would we be? You know, be a terrible thing to consider. But God says, I have this, I've had it in mind for you from the beginning. I would much rather you walked with me and did the things you're supposed to do as my children. Mankind messed up, but he said, I still love them. I'm still here to redeem them. I'm still here. I have all of this stuff, to, all these good things for them. We sh one of the, something we should each be confident in is that this eternal God, the creator and sustainer of all things, including us, hears the prayers of his people and wants to hear from each of us without ceasing. Live our lives for God. Live our lives with God. You know, share your day with God as you're going through it. Um, and I think that that's where that pray without ceasing, that's what part of that comes from. You know, you're going about business, whether it's mucking out stalls, trimming trees, washing dishes, making a cake, whatever. You know, share the time and the things that you're doing with God. You know, because he is our sustainer. He's our life is in him. King David knew God and understand, understood who God is and what he is like, and he longed to follow him with an undivided heart. And even though David failed in a lot of ways, he kept coming back to God. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. And the great thing is God forgave him and forgave him and forgave him. And he does the same for us. He was thoroughly convinced and he was thoroughly persuaded that God loved him and cared for him and forgive him when he repented regardless. Not just a matter of saying, I'm sorry, but hey, I'm really sorry. I want to change this. He repented and he knew God would forgive him. And that's one of the reasons where David was called a man after God's own heart. And we we have the same opportunity for that, yes. When you say repentance, we read about David's life, and he did not continue to do the same sins. He actually repented and turned and changed, where later on, like learning the minor prophets, you see Israel and Judah, oh, well, we can just confess do a sacrifice and do our the same sin over again. That sacrifice was good enough for that sin. Mm -hmm. So they did not actually repent and have a repentant heart. Yeah, and that's what repentance is. It's, it's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a change of life. 
uh, you know, the things that you're doing. So we come to God and repent. And in repentance, <coughs> we need to have, we need to make a change. You know, there's some things we get our feet stuck in. We might do the same thing over and over again. We might need to keep coming to God over and over again for forgiveness. But the great thing is, he'll still forgive us. But what we should do is we should learn from it move farther and farther out of that sin as we go. Um, There's some things, you know, a person could just drop it, say, here it is, I'm done with it, done, gone, turn away, leave it alone. Um, unfortunately, I think we all have those things in our lives where they kind of stick to our fingers. You know, they stick in certain parts of our lives where it's like, I want to let it go, but I still got a hold of it. You know, those things can happen. But God is gracious, and he forgives us when we come to it because he knows we're weak. But he also knows that at some point, if we keep working it out, sooner or later, it's going to be behind. Muscle memory. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's where that exercise in your faith comes in. You know, faith is a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. So as for us, um, you know, people in... The Old Testament days, they had, they had an op- opportunity. You know, they heard from the priests and they heard from the prophets and things. They had the written word after a time. But we have, we have the whole word of God. You know, that's uh, for us and for our benefit. And the more we read the Bible, the more we learn about God, and we, the more we can understand fully what God has for us. And we can understand fully what it is to live his way, uh, even though we're weak. And, you know, we're not perfect, but we're still his children. He has his best for us. So the more fully that we place ourselves in the hands and care of God and do as he says, the stronger our faith will become and the deeper with him our relationship will be. You know, and that's what we really need to strive for is that deeper stronger, more full relationship with God. Um, uh, So that's what the Word is about. That's what the Bible study is about. That's what uh, hearing the Word of God is about. So we're going to recap today's question. It says, what is God? God And the answer is, God is the creator creator and and sustainer sustainer of of everyone everyone and everything. He is eternal, eternal, infinite, infinite, unchangeable unchangeable in his power power and and reflection, goodness goodness and glory, glory, wisdom, justice, justice and and truth. Nothing Nothing happens happens except through him and by his will. will. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. God's in charge of everything. um, We have a devil that we still have to contend with. But God is in charge of everything. He tells Satan, no, you can't do that. Then he's cut off from it. Satan knows he's got to come up and head in this way too. You know, and so, um, but we need to understand that God is over everything. He has, he has complete control. And sometimes we can wonder, well, why this? Why that? That was a, a, another lesson, another time. But uh, God is still the creator, 
And we'll go back, we'll just read this one more time. What is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. It's an awesome thought. Then our memory verse is Psalm 86, 8 through 10 and 15. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I encourage you to go through these uh, these things throughout the week. You know, bring them back to mind. Read through them. Um, I got a rock underfoot here. Thing's about to trip me up. It might have come out of my shoe. Yeah, there you go. So I'm going to ask you this. What are some other attributes of God? We talked about some of them. Some of them were listed. So what are some other attributes of God? 20 questions. Anybody? Omniscience. Omniscience, yeah. Loving, yes. Anybody else? Understanding, yeah, that's awesome. Alpha and Omega, Omega, yeah, beginning and the end. So how about, here we go, he's eternal. He is righteous. He is sovereign. (coughs) I mean, he, he has the final say. You know, he is holy. He is gracious. He is infinite, omniscient, wise, faithful. Anybody else want to add? What's that? Merciful. Merciful, yes. Omnipotent means all powerful. Omnipresent everywhere. Immutable. Immutable is one of those good words too. He never changes. He's just, yes. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm hmm. He is self sufficient, merciful, never tiring, patient. Victorious. He's incomprehensible. Um, the word incomprehensible, I thought about that one when I read it to begin with. It's like the totality of God may be incomprehensible incompre- to us uh, because we're infinite or we're finite. He's infinite. <laughs> that which is finite finds it real difficult to get to grasp the concept of infinity if you will, but all the things, all the attributes of God, what God is, but he might, we might not be able to fully comprehend God, but we can fully understand what he wants for us. We can fully understand what he's, what he has done, you know, in his creation and in sustaining us. So we serve a great God. We serve an awesome God. We need to, you know, we really need to plant that in our hearts, regardless of the things that we might have to go, t- go through. 
God loves us. He cares for us. He's our sustainer. Um, he may allow these things for a time. Well, he does allow things for a time. Um, sometimes for our learning, sometimes for the learning of others. So here's a big question. Can we actually believe that God is who he says he is? Yes, we can. We can. We take it on faith. But we can believe God is who he says he is. We see his handiwork all around us. We can see his handiwork in us. One of the great things about the Bible is that it doesn't just point out uh, all the rainbows and lollipops, let's put it that way, <laughs> of life and living. But he says, you know, these are things you can expect to happen. But in having those things happen, you can also expect me to have my hand on you through it all. Amen. You know, if you'll be faithful to be faithful to me, uh, come to me, believe that I am who I say I am. Believe on Christ and his sacrifice. The whole Bible, the whole Bible, testifies to God's character and his mighty acts confirm over and over that he is who he says he is. You know, God says, this is going to happen. And 400 years later, it happens. <laughs> it's like, hmm, I wonder if somebody knew something. One of the things that uh, gets me, it's uh, I find it a little bit humorous, is uh, when Abraham, Abram, was told, you're going to have a son. It's going to be, you know, you're, they're going to number the stars of the sky and sand of the sea, whatever. And he said, but they're going to be in bondage for 400 years. Abram said, I'm going to have a son. <laughs> he ignored the rest of it. I'm going to have a son. Same thing happened when he was told it again. You know, but God's, your people are going to be in bondage for 400 years. And God had purpose in that. He protected Israel in that bondage. But the whole Bible testifies to God's character and his mighty acts confirm over and over that he is who he says he is. Who else is going to split an ocean wide enough, make it dry enough, that all these people, however many million there might have been at that point, and all their, all their livestock and everything else passed over on dry land, and then when the Egyptian army comes over after him, he goes, you're done. You know, that's a great God that does that. But, uh, that's, the, that's our time for this. Uh, get a jump start on next week. You know, go ahead and read the, uh, read the questions and the answers. Go through the uh, memory verses. Well, you can't see. I can't even remember. Um, but let's get to know God, who He is, because this is a this is a great thing. Um, next week, study is on the Trinity. I'm pretty sure um, is ab is about the Trinity. So we'll uh, you know take a look at that. But I thank you for for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, 
give thanks for each and every one of you. You know, uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. And know that God loves you all. So, uh, I'll close with that. Oh, Heavenly Father, we give thanks for uh, this great word, God, that tells us of you and lets us to know uh, who you are and what you have for us and that you are the creator and sustainer. Lord, let that, let that mind be in us, that it can change our lives and our outlook and that we, in turn, can show others, Lord, as we need to. Uh, 